Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I talked with James J. Fortin. Uh, Jay is the guitar player and one of the founding members of the New Hampshire-based hard rock, metal, punk, whatever you want to call it, band Scissor Fight. Um, in addition, uh, Jay is also an amazing photographer. He also is a leather worker. He also has a side uh, business as a hand-painted sign maker. And uh, yeah, this was a cool chat. Um, been trying to sit down with Jay for a while. Um, and Scissor Fight's playing their first post-COVID shows in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, October 14th and 15th. So uh, that was a good enough excuse as any to sit down and talk to him about all things Scissor Fight and all his other pursuits creatively as well. So, uh, yeah, enjoy this talk with Jay Fortin. whatever reason whenever i type scissor fight out if i don't you know like autocorrect if it if if i don't spell it doesn't recognize it but if i if i do the words separately it's fine so i've found if i'm ever talking about your band uh with someone and i'm texting and i'm not really paying attention it's just easier to just do the words separately and then go in and take the space out right but uh that's funny um who came up with the name uh, I think it was our original drummer, okay, Joel Muzzy. Yeah, um, yeah. We were definitely we we're. I was living in Kittery, and we were all hanging out on a porch. Yeah, and I remember there was a little session about on uh, names. Yeah, and he just came up with that. Yeah, it's like that's <laughs> it. That was it. Do you remember any of the other ones that were potential contenders? Or? I remember Pornivore was one. Um, that's pretty good. <laughs> but, like, really, that's the only other one I remember. Yeah. yeah there could have been others. There's a underground hip-hop group called Porn Theater Rushers, which I thought was a great band yep. name. You know, much better than the, uh, than the band itself. I've actually, like, I used to do this bit on stage doing stand-up um, because I was in Fort Myers, Florida. I used to work for Best Buy, and I was in a, yeah. like a team that we would do setups. And I was down there building a Best Buy, and I we were like half a mile from the hotel that we stayed in. So I walked by this like just little dive bar that had a you know a little A-frame outside, yeah. and they were advertising Thursday night Cocaine Werewolf playing yeah. live. And so I was just like, I gotta see them, and it was just just your most generic blues rock band and i was like you do not deserve this name no but yeah there's yeah i've i've talked ad nauseum with friends about like bands whose name is way better than the band but right uh, yeah yeah um so you we were we were talking before uh pantera was actually the 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 tipping off point but then you started talking about bob house yeah where well i was just gonna get in i was gonna try to remember the um 
progression of how how we started how, you know Jarvis and I mostly how right. started getting into kind of heavier riff yeah stuff because Bob House was definitely not that right you know, and, uh, right but towards the end of that band like some of the things I was writing was kind of more it was it was more like heavy funk shit but right. it was there's some riff kind of stuff and then we yeah. that band and we started this band Hemikuda which um kind of was a little more not so goofy I guess as Bob House and right. uh, um had some more riff and rock stuff yeah and uh somewhere somewhere during that time uh Chris Hall yeah. from Fly Spinach Fly right. came over to the house we were all living in in Newmarket. Yeah. And he and he's like, dude, you gotta hear this fucking tape, you know. Check out this song. And it was a it was just a uh, a cassette tape that he had this the Pantera song Walk. Sure. On, you know, and we were like, Whoa, what's that? You right. Know? So then we started kind of checking that shit out and yeah. then and then, like, once again, Jarvis and I started just getting more into, like, leaning towards that. Right. And then Hemi Kuda was not working out for that, and it just that fell apart. And then yeah. after, after that, there was, uh, you know, we <clears throat> just took a little bit of a break, but then we were like, let's start a band, you know? Right. <laughs> and uh, we'll just get some cool people that we like, you know, <laughs> who cares if they know how to play. Right. And um, and that's how that started. Yeah. yeah. Did you? So did you and uh, Jarvis grow up together? No. Okay. No. He. He. Uh, I didn't know meet him until I moved into the Seacoast area in '89. Yeah. Where'd you yeah. move from? Uh, from Guilford. Okay. Was so still in New Hampshire. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, um, yeah, so me and this guy Butch, who we were high school buddies and had had a band in high school. Yeah, he had been going to college and out in California, and he, yeah. he got his master's. And then he was like, "What do you, you know?" I was. We were talking. He was like, "We should start a band," you know. Right. He's like, "Well, I don't know. Should I start a band or should I like start my own practice?" Because I just got my master, right, you know. Right. I started a band, so Start I decided to take my advice, which is really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's Butch Heilshorn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, I flew out there. We packed a shit in a VW Rabbit and drove across country and moved to Hampton. Yep. Got a winter rental and, and put a flyer up. You know, bases needed, and right. the first person to call was Jarvis. Right on. Yeah, and he was still in yeah, at UNH, okay, and whatnot. So yeah, that was the start of that. Who was the Who was the drummer in Bob House? Uh, Roger. Okay, Roger Roger Schultz. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, that's that's how that yeah. began. Did Bob House didn't do an album? Did they? It was just compilation no, stuff. Just a few like a few uh, EP cassette tapes. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I'll, I'll, maybe a couple compilations and this was this was 
early 90s right like 91 yeah so that probably that probably started in like the winter of 89 yeah 90 yeah and then 91 maybe into 92 end of 92 something like that yeah yeah well it's funny because you know i had mentioned earlier i knew that uh hemi kuda had been on one of the play hard compilations yeah. i know bob house i think was on the first one because yeah. i was you know going through my cds you know it's people give me shit all the time they're like you know that stuff's digital now and i was like well not all of it yeah but also i'm i'm just too old to like keep changing how i listen to stuff i'm like yeah cds were new when i was buying my music this is how i listen to music primarily i mean i listen to vinyl i listen to tapes too but you know cd is my preferred format but i found one of the play hard comps and you know i knew uh like i've i've, I've known you know several of the guys from you know thanks to gravity and you know fly smidge fly and stuff like that but yeah. i i i'm looking at the liner notes and i was like oh i didn't realize jay fortin was in this band way back when so yeah. it was kind of like this was only like two or three years ago and i was like oh oh that's cool it's all and started like connecting all the pieces then yeah because i remember like you know we were you know, talking about pantera like i was a huge metalhead in high school and i love that the seacoast had uh a thriving music scene in the early 90s but none of it was quite what i was after yeah you know i was you know and i thought to varying degrees all the bands were good but it was like this isn't scratching the itch that like most of the stuff in my collection is so when i first heard scissor fight i was like oh cool there's like a hard like aggressive you know yeah a little bit nutty band yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it was um when yeah when when we first started there was definitely a lot of like just cranking that one pantera album yeah bulgered as far beyond driven oh yeah, yeah 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 i think got the most play but other than that yeah no not not much of anything else until yeah. of course like a lot of people we heard caius right and then, then it was like, yeah, we heard that was the shit right there. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although because you know I didn't go, I didn't want to go like full, and you can you can tell by listening to those first Scissorfight records, you know, I'm, I wasn't gonna just copy and be like full stoner rock. You right. Know? It's like right. I couldn't I couldn't do it. Yeah. My background is like punk. Right. You know. Right. So. Well, it definitely straddles the line and it's interesting to see i mean it's been a few years since i've been to a scissor fight show now i think the last time i saw you guys was upstairs at the brick house um, mm -hmm. but it's interesting looking at the people in the audience because it's uh it's you know there's definitely metal heads there's definitely punks you know there's you know there's the biker contingent there's you know there's even some goth people there but it's a it's a you know it's a good mix yeah it is a good mix um and it's funny to sometimes some of those camps don't don't always uh mingle all that well so it's interesting yeah. to kind of see it yeah. yeah yeah so um tell me uh, tell me the, your first drummer's name again joel muzzy okay so did he did he do any recording with you guys because i know strongbow came in yeah he did that sync that 45 okay yeah and possibly there was a tape too. Yeah. Um, that 
had several songs on it. Yeah, he did that. Yeah. Yeah. So did you guys? How did the whole? Because your first first full albums on was on Wonder Drug, right? Yeah. How did that come about? Like you you moved to Boston at some point, or yeah. So, uh, yeah. Some at some point early on, Jarvis and I. You know, we didn't know anything about Boston or right. anybody. Right. And uh, so we were like, we got to meet some bands or meet some people. And yeah. um, we, we was like, well, let's go down to a show. And, and we uh, so we decided to go to the uh, Stomp Box CD release party at the Paradise. Yeah. That was probably in 94-ish. Yeah. You know? And... And we went because there was like 10, like all the Boston bands were playing. Right. Them and 6L6 and Malachite and right. Big Wig, a whole bunch of them, you yeah. know. And we're like, we're going to bound to meet somebody. So we, we just kind of, we ended up like talking to uh, George Perez, who was the drummer of 6L6. Right. And then we just kind of became friends with them and... Right dumped on. through them and they yeah. were on Wonder Drug I think I and, think so and uh, that's how that came about and then we met Ken and, yeah um, right on so so when was the like were you already living down in Boston then or was it just uh, no nope. no we were all up here so what was uh, like what was the motivation for moving for Boston did the whole band move down to Boston or no uh uh Chris and well, Kevin always lived in Boston. Okay. You know, Joel was may, maybe lasted the first year. Yeah. That band maybe a little less, and then uh, Kevin was playing in the Star Darts. Okay. Right. Remember, you know, Dave Minahan and yeah, yeah, and uh, so he wasn't ready to like join the band, but he he filled in. Mm-hmm. Did a couple shows and then eventually he was like, "All right, yeah." Um, Paul and I were still living up here. Chris was living. Chris was living up here for like the first year or so, yeah. and then he moved back down to Boston. And, okay, and then and then so it was half down there. And yeah, half up here. And Chris and Kevin are brothers, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was never so. Was it ever like you know oh, oh, when you guys were first forming? Was it ever like, hey, why don't you get your brother? Or just you already had you already had it? No, it was. I mean, had they played in bands together before? Or no, the brothers. Yeah. No, gotcha. I don't. As far as I know, Chris had never been in a band before Scissor Fight. I gotcha. He was he was uh, suggested to us by a, a friend of ours in Portsmouth. He's like, yeah, this guy, this roommate of mine. Is always walking around pretending like he's a, in a band. Right. You should get him, you know? <laughs> and that's the, so we did. Sure. You know? Sure. So that was his <laughs> first time. <laughs> so, because um, I know like a lot of the records, you know, you're, you're credited as Jesus Crow. And, you know, yeah. uh, you know, he was credited as Iron Lung. Like, where did the where did the names like? How did that all come about? Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like Iron Lung probably came from somebody we know, and yeah. then that stuck. It was 
originally he was the Punisher. Okay. Yeah. And then it switched to Iron Lung at some point, but I don't know exactly yeah. how that happened. Yeah. For me, I was just like, whatever sounded funny at the time. Sure, sure. I think I was, fuck you, and then G's and H Pro. And, yeah. Um, maybe another, I forget. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <clears throat> and did, like... A lot of your a lot of your stuff, particularly the early few records. I mean, you know, one of your albums called New Hampshire. You know, you've got the Piscataqua EP. Yeah, uh, you know, it definitely like embraces the New Hampshire, the New England, like side. Or you know, that that's a big part of yeah. Scissor Fight's identity. Was that ever like? Did you guys have a conversation about it, or was it just like, hey, fuck it, we're from New Hampshire? I don't think we. We did. I think it kind of, um, because we started here, Yeah. I think it was just a, you know, because of the way Chris wrote and things he was in- interested in. And, yeah. You know, he just kind of delved, delved into the, like, weird folklore of right the New Hampshire woods, you know, yeah. and then yeah. uh, sprinkled a little other weird shit on there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, and, I think each album, it, and then we kind of like embraced the, just the visuals and the sure, the vibe of weird New Hampshire, right, you know? right, and um, and then and then it became a thing, and then of course, you know, in later albums, you know, it it was like, let's do a press release, you know, we had this Jay Bennett. Um, wrote a lot of stuff for for us. Yeah, and uh, you know about like that we lived at the base of Mount Washington and abandoned missile silos and right. you know hunted wild boar with right. hand grenades and right. shit like that. Right, and uh, so it just kind of ramped it up. Right. Yeah. Well, that was that was certainly the um, the sort of mythos, the the larger than life. Yeah. Uh, kind of it's it's funny because so i lived in arizona for a few years and it's it's so funny to me how many people don't travel like how many americans don't travel past you know 50 miles outside of where they live so a lot of people that i encountered out there when they found out i was from new hampshire they're like that's near delaware right i'm like well i mean galactically yes yeah, yeah i was like not really and then just trying to explain the whole new england thing but i had there was this um there was a french canadian guy who was staying in the town that i i when i was out in arizona i lived in jerome arizona which is a tiny little town, town. yeah yeah it's 440 people live there and uh but a lot of I, I describe it to people as like a pirate ship on top of a mountain because yeah. it's just all the misfits in the world that don't get along with anyone else, but kind of together, you know, it's a it's a it's a very shaky crew of people. Yeah. But and there was this French Canadian guy that came in and when he found out I was from New Hampshire, he's like, "Scissor fight is from New Hampshire." I was like, what the <laughs> fuck "Do you know who Scissor fight is?" He's like. Is New Hampshire really like that? I'm like, you'll need to be more specific <laughs> in what you're asking about. But I was like, kind of. He's like, do you know those guys? Which at that point, I don't think I had ever met 
you know, anyone in the band. So I was like, no. And he's like, they just seem like larger than life. I was like, yeah, they kind of are. I've seen them play a couple times, but I was like, he's like, you know, do they really do all that stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> probably. Sure. That's funny. Yeah. Awesome. It's funny. I've been to Jerome. Yeah. I went to a, a motorcycle event out there. Oh, yeah. The, they have the big parking lot up up by the, the mine. And how long ago was it? Did you go Oh, it was there? probably... 15 years ago gotcha yeah yeah uh yeah it's uh it's an interesting thing i discovered it totally by accident because i with best buy i had moved out to arizona because we had that about 13 years ago we had that really bad ice storm one year with you know half of maine lost power for like a month but i was living on the beach in hampton at the time and we lost power for like 36 hours but i was like well I'd like to live somewhere where if the power goes out, the potential of dying isn't there. Yeah. Um, not that I was any in any real danger, but it was kind of a drag. Yeah. And me and the girl I was dating at the time were kind of looking to for a new scene anyway. So we ended up going out there, lived in Tempe for a year, and then happened to be on a mailing list for uh, Maynard from Tool yeah. uh, has a winery in Jerome. And... They had like a tasting room that was opening, so we went up knowing nothing about the town and just like fell in love with it. It's this weird, like you know, old yeah. copper mining town that turned into a hippie commune. That's just like you know, now it's a a haven for people on the way from one place to the other. Yeah. So, nice. yeah. Um, so, from how did the transition from Wonder Drug to Tortuga happen? Tortuga recording. I think well. Mark Thompson was was working with Ken. Yeah. I think. And then uh and then he kind of started his own thing. Yeah. He, oh he, no, he was working he was working with uh, Aaron Turner. Right. Yeah. And then cuz Aaron ran Hydrahead and yeah. Tortuga is like an offshoot of that. Yeah, that's what it was. And um uh so yeah, when he had his own thing going and we were we had already been we knew him you know we were buddies so yeah he was like he was psyched to do it nice and then you know aaron did a lot of the artwork and shit yeah yeah it's i mean aaron turner has a very specific aesthetic and you know most i i most of the stuff that was on hydrahead he did I, at least did the design for it if not the artwork for it so i think that was the because I don't remember which one it was. It wasn't Jag or not. It was uh I don't remember, but it was it was I think it was the first one that Aaron Turner had done artwork for, which was the first scissor fight C D yeah, I that got. That was New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah, so that was the first one that I got. And it was like I had heard of you guys, but I had never I don't think I had seen you at that point. And at that point it was just sort of like, oh, well, I like 90% of what I've heard on Hydrahead, and I'll check it out. And I was like, oh, this, yeah, this, this is cool. This is, yeah. you know, but it was also kind of different than, you know, I, I don't even remember many of the other artists that were on Tortuga, but it was definitely had a different feel than the stuff on Hydrahead. Definitely. Um, <laughs> it was quite, it, uh, yeah, it's definitely different. We all, we always wondered, like, it was weird to be tied in with them. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. Because it was, but, you know, it was cool. 
I did remember um, when Caven did their the Antenna, their sole major label album, the, the first pressing that had like a DVD with like an electronic press kit and, you know, a couple of videos. And I remember because they were on tour with the Foo Fighters when they shot it. And there was one scene in it where Caleb Schofield's opening up his CD booklet and they're like, what do you got in there? And one of the things he, he pulled out was uh, Scissor Fight CD and he's, he started describing you guys and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, there's a there's a band from New Hampshire that was like, at least mentioned, yeah. you know. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I didn't know like, about that. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's funny because because it was their one major label album, it's the one that you can pretty much find in the, the, the bargain bins at any used record store now, yeah. so, and they usually have the DVD in it, but, yeah. Yeah, we had, we had a lot of, um, a lot of fun shows with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you were, you had been talking about the BCN with, or what was the, the Boston thing that you, you guys won an award for? What? Oh, the, yeah, the Boston Music Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Way back. Yeah. What was, uh, we were nominated a lot, you know, and then we won a couple of them. Um, the first, the first one we went to was at the Orpheum. Okay. And they had it there. Yeah. And, uh, did you guys play too, or was it just, no, we never got to play one, but, um, I think we, at the one at the Orpheum, I can't, I think we won something, but mm-hmm. we also we also got to present, like, think best hip hop or something like that. Interesting. Do you remember who won? No, <laughs> no. Um, it, it was probably Mr. Lith. Yeah, you know, yeah. Who we kind of became friends with, and right. I can't remember if we we did something with him. Or he can't, or he, or we were gonna, I don't know, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, and then the second one was at Avalon, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the one that we, you know, won, and we got to go on stage and get it, or actually, uh, everybody except me, because I was like in the back, not paying attention. Oh, really? And they called the band? And they and called, Scissor Fight, and I was like, wait, what? And by the time I got over there, it was all over. So I just got to go backstage. Um, but uh, there might have been a couple other nominations. Yeah. But did you guys pl- and did you guys play one of the the, the river raves? Yeah. Like yeah. We played the BCN River Rave one year only because the band Kitty. Yeah canceled right and um this was like the stage that was out in the parking lot okay yeah and uh which was still like a pretty it was i don't know it seemed like there was like five or six hundred people there sure sure big yeah and um so yeah i think and it seemed i remember it seeming like there was a lot of kids there expecting to see kitty right and instead we walked out and yeah, l- yeah, a lot of young girls with uh, choker necklaces and yeah, stuff like that. that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of disappointed youth. So if they, so if they, 
<laughs> like how soon before the show do they cancel? Like did, how much notice did you have? Like, hey, can you play tomorrow? Uh, no, it was probably, it wasn't that. It was probably just a few days, really. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people didn't even bother to find out about sure. it. Sure. And that was, I mean, the internet existed, but not in the way that it no does now. Media right. Then, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that was fun. I remember, you know, even though we just played there, we, we had like all access passes right. to go back behind the, like the stadium part, and right? Mingle with whoever was Rock and roll around, royalty, you know. Yeah, didn't really see much royalty, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I do remember seeing a bunch of tour buses, and then in between a couple of the tour buses was a, a clothesline with. With the spacesuits for of Power Man Five Thousand, oh yeah, yeah, hanging out to drive. Uh, yeah, those have got to get pretty stinky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was um, old. That's another band from Boston. Which, yeah, they kind of leaned more like, and their first couple things they were more hoary, horror oriented, and then they leaned more into the science fiction stuff after yeah. that. And I, I wonder if it was like a. Hey, your older brother's got the horror thing. You gotta, you gotta pick something Probably, else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because they had, I, I think, because if I'm not mistaken, I think they were on DreamWorks when they signed to a major label, and that was like, you know, Rob Zombie was on Geffen, so I'm sure it was like, hey, we gotta, we gotta draw a line in the sand here. Yeah. You know, yeah. just yeah, that's funny. I think I, I think the first time I saw maybe. I, I wonder if I was at that River Rave. I definitely don't remember seeing you guys, but I remember seeing, because I had seen Power Man 5000 at the Middle East at yeah. one point um, when they only had one guitar player but two drummers, and then once they were on a major label, it was one drummer, two guitar players. So, oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, was w When you played the River Rave, was that sort of around the time that BCN was playing blizzards buzzards bastards probably yeah yeah we they started kind of being friendly with us and playing that song and they they actually also played um the ballad of jocko macaco was yeah. played on there a little bit but yeah. uh yeah blizzards was on there and then you know we did a couple we did that um the bcn uh Battle of the Bands thing, right? Whatever that's called. Yeah, and um, yeah, Deke was DJing there, right? So, yeah, we, right. we had some good, some good uh, connections there for a little while. So that was so the so the the initial run of the band wound down what around like two thousand six six. What uh, what you know? What what happened there that you know you guys stopped? Uh, just basically, uh, Iron Lung disappeared. Yeah, you know he, he you know I like it. I, he'd been getting kind of tired of of it for a little while. Yeah. I think you yeah. know when I when I look back, you know, mm -hmm. and I think about the last. The tour, we we did a tour of the whole states in mm -hmm. 2003, I think, and it was your own tour. Yeah, we did yeah. our own tour. We hooked up briefly in the south and and 
and Southern California a little bit with um, Old Man Gloom. Okay. And did a, did a batch of shows with them. Yeah. And then then we were back on our own, you know, doing all those shitty places, Monday and Tuesday night shows and right. all that stuff. And but the whole, you know, we we got out to L.A. and and like, you know. There was a lot of build-up for the L.A. show because it was at the Troubadour. Yep. And uh, um, Mark, had, you know, had, there was talk of, like, you know, this guy's going to be here and this guy, this yeah. record guy, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Paul Jarvis and I have been, had previously, before Scissor Fight, kind of been through the, you know, Oh, this is going to happen, and that's sure, going to happen. Sure, ringer, you yeah, know, and then nothing happens. Yeah, um, so we kind of so you weren't getting your hopes up. Yeah, yeah, I knew better, but I think Chris was. Yeah, you know, and um, and we did the show, and it was awesome. It was it was packed, you yeah. know, and there, I don't know who was there, but yeah, um, it was a really good show, and, and of course, playing there is like historic, you know, it yeah. was awesome. But nobody, no. No record label people right. that I know of came yeah. up and said, "Hey, you know." Right. So it was kind of a disappointment for for those guys. Yeah. And then, and so it was tough after that. Yeah. You know, the, the rest of the shows were. You know, right. San Francisco was good, and there's a few others that were okay. Seattle and Portland were good. Yeah. Um, but when you play across. Hmm? Do you remember where you played in Seattle? Uh, uh, Rock Candy or something like that? No. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it was, <laughs> Sorry, I know it's almost 20 years ago now. Yeah. I would know if you ran by through a bunch of names. I'd sure. Be able to pick sure. Up. But um, there wasn't, There. I mean, it was really, it was a fun show. There wasn't a ton of people there. But right. There, and it was like this the whole country. Even if there was just like one person there, they were really into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like we 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 uh um when we got into Texas, or I think no, it was after New Orleans, somewhere between New Orleans and and Austin, like yeah. the the A C and the van mm-hmm. went and we were touring in August. Oh. So geez. it was fucking brutal. Yeah. And uh we're like, there's no way we're continuing without ac and the right right so when we got to austin we had uh a show there and we had a couple we had another show nearby that we had to cancel and we just hung out in austin for a few days while that got fixed and and then the next show i think was in el paso we got to el paso and the place where the show was supposed to be was um there was no show. There was like a sign on the door, you know, show canceled. Right. But, but we never heard anything. Yeah, they hadn't said anything to you. But there was one kid there, a Mexican kid, yeah. standing on the sidewalk with all of all of our CDs and he just he was so pumped, you know, and he wanted them to sign, so he yeah. signed them and then got on a payphone and called somebody and somebody said, Oh yeah, well you go over to this pizza place. It was called Moon Pizza. Yeah. And They'll let you play. So we just went to this pizza place and played on the floor, you know. Right on. Did the kid, the kid follow you, I'm oh, yeah. assuming? Yeah. Nice. So that was awesome. Nice. And then it was on to, you know, 
Arizona and yeah. California and all that. But usually there was always somebody. Yeah. Um, how long how long were you on the road for that tour? That was like the month of August. Okay. Yeah, the whole month. And then like in in Seattle, you know, not a ton of people, but an awesome group of people, including sure. some guys that drove down from Alaska. Oh wow! For that, yeah. So they were, and uh, that was cool. And um, and then th- throughout the rest of the country, it was just weirdness yeah. until we got back. Yeah. Towards the east. Yeah. You know. But, uh, yeah. So that was really tough. Yeah. And I think after that, it took a little steam out of iron lung you yeah. know and, and our routine in the in those last three years was you know we didn't do a ton of shows we did like some in the spring we did some in the fall yeah that was the routine yeah yeah so jaggernet came out and i know iron lung had to be convinced to do anything for that yeah and he was convinced to do some i think we uh yeah, we the, just just before um, Christmas, before that album came out, just before it, we went to England and did did some um, did a really awesome show at the Underworld, mm-hmm. and then we did live at the BBC, yeah, and then we did a bunch of like magazine and press stuff, yeah, in preparation for that album, yeah, and that was awesome, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then we came back, and then Orange Goblin came over, and we did like a, a two-week East Coast kind of tour with them. Yeah. And that was... Uh, the record was out at that point. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. And it was, you know, it ended a little like a really weird Sunday night in Albany or something. Right. Or s- something like that, and really shitty club and yeah not a lot of people so then that's a terrible night for a show anyway it was just you know we just wanted to get get the fuck out of there and go yeah. home at that point <laughs> and uh and then that was that was uh that was it that ended up being the last show that chris did with you guys no we did one more show actually in burlington vermont that okay. was the last show would you play there do you remember where high ground okay yep and um that was good we always had even from the beginning, always had like a good crowd up in Burlington. There's Burlington's has a really I I saw um, corrosion of conformity at Higher Ground again on a Sunday night, and uh, just remember you know Mike Dean bitching about he's like, hey, next time we play here, maybe bring a friend with you, you know, because it was like half yeah. capacity. But um, there was you know I've been to a, a lot of a lot of the heavier bands that I like that don't play necessarily around here sometimes burlington's the closest place they're playing yeah. so i've gone up there yeah it's got a there's a there's a healthy heavy music yeah. community up there yeah we um yeah, we did good up there just i remember the first time we played up there in a really small club yeah i don't even know what it was called toast maybe hmm something it's, i don't know yeah it was small and um and we, it was just like, whoa, it's fucking packed, you know? Yeah. Like, no one knows who we are. Right. And then right. everyone stayed till the end. And then we had a regular thing up there. Yeah. It was right. pretty, pretty, pretty fun. So was there, was there ever a conversation 
that uh, Chris had, like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. It just kind of fizzled out. Nothing. Yeah. So the that Burlington show is in the spring. Yeah. And then, you know, it's pretty much we're going to take the summer off. That's just yeah. how it was. And then come around fall, you know, we're like Jarvis and we're, we're starting to think, like, about doing some shows. And we yeah. like, there's probably a lot of emails. Yeah. And no, no answer, no yeah. no phone call, no nothing. Yeah. And Kevin didn't know what was happening. He's like, I don't know, I don't know what he's doing, yeah. you know. And 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 then that went on for you know probably a year. Yeah. Of like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even two years where Jarvis and I were like, is this, are we, like, is it over? Do we have a band anymore? Like, what's up with yeah? What's up with your brother? I don't know, you know. Yeah. And then we even had Kevin even came up to my house uh, and we we jammed on and made some new made a tape of some new riffs, thinking like, oh, maybe that'll get him going, you know. Right. And sent it right. to him, nothing. Yeah, and uh, that was it. Hmm. I haven't seen or talked to him since. Oh wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. So was there at that point? Was there ever any talk of? Hey, do you want to get another singer, or was it just like, well, it was? What, there probably was, but Kevin was not into having another singer. Sure, he was like I, only his brother, and that sure. Was, so that was all he. So, you know, he didn't want to do it. Sure, you know, sure. And then that's then Jarvis and I moved on. Yeah, nestled the bowl. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Did you guys? I can't remember. Did Did you guys do a record with that band or no? Yeah, yeah, we did. I don't think it came out. Yeah. But it's done. Yeah. It's. Uh, I'll ask Pete because I think it might there might be a band camp or something for it. Yeah. There's somewhere somewhere you can hear it online. Yeah. Who who else was in Who else was in that project? Uh, that that was the original drummer Ben. Yeah. I forget his last name, but um. Jarvis and Pete. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, so we recorded that album with Ben, and then uh, he quit or something, or we yeah. fired him. I can't yeah. remember. And then there was a few different drummers. Yeah, this kid Zach Taylor was a was oh, a, yeah, yeah. a while. Yep. Um, this guy Hari, who was a roadsaw drummer for yep. a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah. God, Zach must have been really young then. Like, he's pretty young. Yeah, you know? probably like early twenties. Yeah, I don't. Re- I don't remember the timeline because I, I put out um, a record from his band, Late Great Planet Earth, but I don't remember if it was before or after that. But I just, re- I, I, it's, you know, with age, it all becomes, you know, cloudy. Yeah. Well, that with Zach, it probably it probably would have been like two thousand five or six. Yeah, yeah, around there. So I think it was after Late Great Planet Earth, but. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I had I, for a little while I ran a label with um, AJ from the Minus Scale, and we we're the ones who put that out, and you know did some other stuff. But yeah. so when that fizzled out, were you doing any other music or um, after Mess with the Bull? <laughs> What's going on? Well, because when I first moved back to the area nine years ago, uh, I think it was. I think the first time I saw any of your leather work was at uh, at Lost Coast, John and Tiffany. Because yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is incredible!" And they're like, "Yeah, it's Jay Fortin." And I'm like, "The guy from Scissor Fight?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, he, he comes in here all the time." Like, when did when did that start? Or 
how long have you been doing leather work? Well, uh, probably, probably like almost, I don't know, 16, 17 years, okay. somewhere around there. Yeah. Maybe a little longer. Um, yeah. Is that a piece of your work that's on the cover of Jaggernaut? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. There's also a, somewhere out there, a um, Red Fang single that I did a leather cover for. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They, they, uh, that was like, that was probably like eight or nine years ago. Yeah. How did that come about? They just do you just know those guys? Uh, nope, I don't know them, but but some somebody from their label probably followed me on Instagram or okay. something like that. Yeah. Um and then they put it out they put out a single that had that was sponsored by or had something to do with Scion, the car company. Sure. So it was actually Scion that oh, interesting. paid me. Sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah, they did, um, speaking of corrosion of conformity, because they did an EP with it. They were doing, like, which, it's bizarre to me that they were, it was all, like, you know, heavier, more underground band. Because it was, yeah. this is at the point where corrosion of conformity was back to a three-piece, you know, their the original lineup. And they, Scion released the EP, and I was like, yeah. this is not commercial music at all, but, yeah. you know, who knows? Well, it was, you know, at the same time when Converse had their their recording studio in Boston, we're just recording, you know, just off the wall stuff, just, you know, one offs, you know, Adam McGrath did his his reggae side project. They recorded a single there. And yeah, I yeah, I recorded their um, shit. Was that mess with the book? No. The fuck was that? At the Converse studio? Yeah. Hmm. One of the bands I was in. Yeah. <laughs> it might have been Super Machine. Okay. Possibly. Gotcha. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Whatever it was. It was that, that was awesome. Yeah. That gig. My, um, uh, do you know Evan Kenny? He was the, he was the studio manager there. He's yes. a friend of mine. Yeah. 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 He used to be in red, yellow and yep. yeah, he's played in a lot of different bands, but yeah. Cause I just remember just one day he, he's like, yeah, we showed up and they said, we're shutting the studio down. They just, you know, just, I, I have no idea what the, the end plan was for Converse having a recording studio, but it was, it seemed like it was about a year that they were just having people come in and record. And I think it was just promotion. Yeah. Like it was lit. It, it like if, if you're a band recording there, um, <clears throat> like I went there the first time to uh, shoot pictures of Jesus. Okay. Um, and Evan was there. And yeah. He, knew, he just like, hey, Jay from Sister Fight. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, I just was like, hey, you know, I got this band going and, and yeah. whatever. He's like, oh, come on down. So I didn't, I got, I didn't have to fill out all the sure paper. Sure. I just cut in. Sure. But I saw that if you, if you didn't know anybody, you had to fill out all these forms. And right. Hopefully you, hopefully you got picked. You know, right. It seemed like that's how they did it. They sure. just went through all these applications and just picked random 
right. things that they thought were cool and the and then you know you you went in there and you got to rec record for you know 12 hours or whatever mm -hmm. and you could do anything you wanted yeah you could do one song and do it really good you know and right. mix it yeah or you could do you know five songs sure. and mix it somewhere else or right. whatever you could yeah. do and uh yeah i mean 12 i i just watched a aussie documentary the other day and he was they bill ward was saying at one point they recorded the whole first sabbath record in 12 hours so yeah, yeah. if you're you know economic with your time yeah yeah if you if you if you uh re rehearsed mm -hmm. first um Um, no, actually, you know what? It was Scissor Fight that recorded there. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I did the, I the, just, the revamped yeah, Scissor Fight. Yeah, yeah, it was right in the beginning. Yeah. 2016. Yeah, that uh, checks out. Yeah, around the timeline. That's when we recorded yeah. there. Because there's, we recorded a few songs, I think, um, Devil Shingle. Yeah. And two others yeah one of them never came out we might have done four songs there but that was one of them yeah i was poking through um when i do do digital music i don't do pandora or spotify or anything yeah. like that i just use the amazon thing uh so i was looking at it today and i was like oh i didn't even know that these songs came out before chaos county i was like oh there's like yeah singles from the you know yeah um, six years ago funny. yeah i just remembered um, yeah, so you go in there, you do whatever you want, they give you the master, yeah. and then you get to go down into the shop, and you get a free pair of sneakers. It was fucking awesome. It's not bad know? at all. And they had a really good cafeteria yeah. and food. And um, so it was a super cool, and they just probably, I think they just expected that bands would be constantly Instagramming and posting sure. about it and yeah. promoting and... Yeah. And whatever, and maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah. it didn't work out the way they wanted. Either that, or it was like, here, we'll do twelve months of this, see if anything, you know, yeah. comes of it, and if not, we'll shutter it. And, and you know, it's too bad. It was super cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, when when Evan first told me what he was gonna be doing, mm. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, doesn't make any sense to me either. But yeah. uh, I said yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so. Uh, what made you guys decide to, you know, revamp Scissor Fight then? Um, that was, so the last band before Scissor Fight, Jarvis and I had, was called Diesel Wolf. <laughs> That's like a band name too. <laughs> right. And uh, it was this this friend of ours, this old friend that we, Jarvis and I played with, Nick and Todd Seeley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we just started, you know, writing songs and did some Todd songs. And, and So were you and Todd both playing guitar in that? Yeah. Okay. So two guitars. And uh, then um, somewhere in there, Smutty Nose uh, contacted me, or a friend of ours that... Uh, um, Joe Grotto, who plays bass in Gozu. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, That's he a great was a band. rep there. Yeah. It's Muddy Nose. And uh, so he, I think he contacted us. And some of the brewers there were fans. And it was like, hey, you, they want to do a scissor fight beer. You know, it's like, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so they did scissor fight imperial corn lager. <laughs> and um, I think it was, it was called Granite State Destroyer. Yeah. And... You know, they made it, and they it was in glass, big glass growler bottles right. or whatever. And uh, and then we set up a um, beer release show, and we had Gozu and Jesus came up. Yeah. And we played at Sunny's in Dover. Yeah. And they both of those bands learned. A couple of different scissor fight covers and then okay. Diesel Wolf. We we did you know a set of scissor fight songs, right? And there was a bunch of fans there, and it was it was it was awesome. You know, it, was, it felt was good. Todd, the vocalist in Diesel Wolf, too. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so we had a lot of fun doing that. And then I think it was that probably after that, and combined with like Jarvis and I for ten years. Constantly, like, oh, the band's cool. What, what's Scissor Fight doing? When are you guys going back? Uh, sure. Just all the time. And uh, and I could see online that there was interest. Know, an interest in the band. Sure. Still, like a lot. Well, it'd be, I think, especially with, you know, Chris kind of disappearing, there was like sort of a myth had become, had like built around the band in the time since, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that that worked well for us. Yeah, you know? but uh, yeah. After that, we were we were, we probably were just like, "What the fuck are we doing? What, why don't we, we can we can get a new singer and a new drummer?" It's right. we started the band, you right? Know? So, um, and people quit and people get new. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not like so. I, I actually contacted uh, a number of different rock people that I've known since the beginning yeah and just asked like what what do you think do you think that's stupid or is like right and everyone was thought no do it you know yeah. it'd be awesome yeah and I was like all right and I knew there'd be some kickback of course but uh but yeah and and I and actually diesel wolf maybe prop or just I think it was that band I think we played we did we played a few shows and a couple of them were with Doug's previous band yeah Iron Chin you know and and Jarvis had just happened to see Iron Chin somewhere where and Doug played bass and sang yeah he, he um, saw them play somewhere and he said somebody came up and sang and or somebody came up and played bass and Doug was just doing the vocals. Right. And that, and that's what he Jarvis told me is like, you know, that's our guy. Right. Know? He had the presence then because he wasn't yeah. playing as well. And, yeah. Uh, he's definitely an intimidating presence on stage. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. He's perfect. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's and it, and I think, I'm pretty sure he said he'd never seen the man live. Yeah. But he was a fan, and uh, and then of course, we, you know, and we all knew Rick. Yeah, and, 
everything he's done. Yeah. So he was down. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So awesome. <laughs> so uh, with with Doug being you know a bass player in the band before, like, how's the you know does he contribute to the the music writing at all, or is he writing lyrics? Like, how how do you he guys write lyrics? Stuff? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he's the he's the lyric guy. You know, Jarvis. I think I think we've like kicked in a word here or there, right? But, but right. it's pretty much all in in Doug's hands. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, and it's it's interesting because I had always wondered about uh, the songwriting. Like I, I had, just because there seems to be such a through line thematically from Chris's writing to Doug's writing that I had actually. I just sort of assumed, like maybe you and you oh, and yeah. or Jarvis were the, the the lyricists as well, and it was just kind of you know because it's yeah. it it's very much in the vein of earlier stuff too. So, but so clearly, Doug gets the yeah. spirit of Scissor Fight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There was a. It was funny because I had read about it online, but when I was you know kind of going through the catalog today i saw that uh tortuga had actually done a you know a bona fide scissor fight greatest hits album like yeah. it's just called greatest hits it's yep. got the you know the red cover um did you have any say in what was going on that or did they do that kind of without you guys no we that was done i think we all worked i think everybody had a hand in that sure um, probably mostly through emails and yeah. shit and or yeah. whatever. Uh, but I want to say that that might have been done. I forget when that came out. I think it said 2012 when I looked looked it up, but that may have just been when it was put up digitally. Yeah. So there might have been some communication. Yeah about that and like at that point but the cover is like just that yeah because i was pro I, I did the cover and i was like i was not into it right i was like fuck it i just made it simple you know well it almost has the um it almost has the aesthetic of one of those old ktel compilations yeah. like <laughs> they usually the band has nothing to do with that but i was like i was like i wonder if this was an intentional choice or if it was kind of i mean did it get released physically or was it just digitally just digital. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I don't remember any physical copies of that. Yeah. Um, I want to say, is that the one that has the different version of Hangman on it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that, that, I can't even remember recording that. Is that like the obligatory previously unreleased recording that all greatest hits albums have now? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I want to say it might have been just part of like Jaggernaut recordings. Yeah. At that and during that time when, um, because I think Jaggernaut got mostly recorded mm -hmm. to the point of where it was pretty much done. And then, and then the um, hard drive crashed. Okay. And yeah. Andrew Schneider had like sent it out to L.A. and they were somewhere to 
fancy to try to save it. Right. We had to actually ended up having to do it again. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Which we were glad about because then we were able to like fine tune some things. Sure. So that, that that happened. You basically had like a like a dress rehearsal for yeah. the album. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like we recorded some other shit at that time. Yeah. We did um, somewhere out there. There's a recording of of us doing. Uh, Bad Brain song. Um, Which song? Do you Soul. Know? Okay. Something. Was it for that Bad Brains tribute, or you just no? No. We just liked the song. We did right it live on. a few times. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck is it called? It's a really cool. I think it's it's one of their later ones. Yeah. It's super heavy. Yeah. I don't remember the way it was called. That was cool. And we did some other covers too. There's a Black Flag cover. Probably did that re record slower version of Hangman. Right. Um on around that time do you know where that stuff is now no it's in the ether somewhere yeah it's out there somewhere i don't know if it's digital i have a bunch of like yeah that was all digital i think jack or not yeah i don't remember using tape yeah but when uh jarvis might have it i don't know is he the um usually one band has someone who's like the keeper of the archives is he's is he the he's got all the digital stuff yeah gotcha. and he's the one who like puts it up on the you know all the um, digital stuff i was i was pleasantly surprised when i was looking today you know especially because you guys had put stuff out on you know several indie labels a lot of times trying to find stuff like that online it can yeah. be you know pretty tough and i was surprised how much stuff was actually on there um i know a couple of years ago when Aaron Turner, you know, officially folded yeah. Hyderhead, um, I know he, th- this past year, he returned the digital rights to a lot of the artists that were on there. You know, were you guys part of that or did you kind of always have? No, we always did. Well, gotcha. he didn't have them. He didn't own them anyway. Mark did. Yeah. Okay. Mark, Mark had given us those. Sure. That stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. So is there... We I, don't own any the first two albums. Right. Ken still does. But he's not... Wonder Drug's not, not an entity anymore, is it? Not really. Yeah. No, but I think he still... Yeah. Has... Has... Owns it has say on, yeah. yeah. Do you have any relationship with him anymore? Not really. Yeah. No. He, he sends us our little... Our little... Uh, um royalty checks sure. every year sure sure but have you guys ever um has there ever been any now that the band you know has been going for you know several years again you guys ever talked about like reissuing any of the older stuff mm, we've we've not as is sure you know we've we've talked maybe about re-recording mm-hmm but like that's a that's such a big undertaking for sure. We just don't we we just don't have the time. Sure, you know. Sure, I well, lo- I would love to. You know, I'd love to re-record those songs with Doug and Rick. But yeah, 
you know, that would be a massive uh, thing. The only thing that, like, you know, Scott from um, Salt of the Earth has talked about doing a live. Yeah, that would, you know, that would, so. I mean, a lot of bands, especially when there's a lineup change, particularly when the vocalist changes, that's kind of a easy way to be like, well, we're playing these songs anyways. Yeah. Here's what they sound like with the new guy yeah. singing. Yeah. yeah. I remember, uh, you know, going back like 15 years ago now, you know, John Bush, who was, uh, was actually the third vocalist in Anthrax, but, you know, the the, the second most famous vocalist. Um, mm. And they did a live in-studio record where they had like 50 fans come and then they just, you know, went through like whatever it was, 12, 15 songs from the previous singer's era yeah. and uh, just put it out as a record, which was, you know, it was cool. But, you know, because it's a studio recording, but it's also yeah. a live record, yeah. you know. You know, yeah. probably did each song twice and that was it. Yeah. So I'm one of the only Anthrax Anthrax fans in the world that I've ever met that actually prefers him to Joey Bellatone. Oh, yeah. Well, Joey's just got the very, like, operatic, you know, yeah. You know, the Steve Perry type vocals. Yeah. Which is not, not super metal. Yeah. In my opinion. But yeah. Um, when did you uh you know, because before we recorded we were we were doing some some photography. When did when did that become uh a focus for you? Probably like just I don't know, maybe five years ago. Yeah. So. Five six. No, that's not kind of like when um, the band Super Machine started, it was about yeah. So no, I'll say probably about ten years ago. Okay, when is when I, you know, I'd always like taking pictures, but I never really knew what the fuck I was doing. Sure, at all, you know. <clears throat> and then I started getting into it a little more. Mm -hmm. I got a you know a real camera and looking into. And then I was I was doing a lot of live band photography, you know, swirly lights and yeah. all that. And I loved that shit. And oh. uh, so I did a ton of that. And just yeah, so probably about ten years. I I remember there was a there was a time period where you know it was pre pandemic, a couple of years beforehand, but I felt like every live show in the area that I was at, you know, I turned to my right at some point. And I'd see you with a camera, in your yep. hand, and I was just like, <laughs> a lot of shit. "Yeah." But then, you know, and then I would, you know, following you on social media and stuff, I'd see all the pictures, and I was like, oh, "This is really, really cool shit that he's yeah. coming up with." Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Um, I've you know I've always loved awesome photos, and yeah, and like when I first started seeing that kind of photography, probably like. I feel like that's like I first started seeing that in the '90s, or maybe late '90s, maybe early 2000s, mm -hmm. um, with kind of like you know slow shutter with flash. Yeah. So there's a lot of mo light movement, but the subject is usually frozen. You know. Right. And uh, in rock photography, and I remember there was this one. There was, I can't remember his name, but he was somebody that was associated with Aaron and Hydrahead, and he was he came to a lot of shows. Yeah, did a lot of pictures like that, and I was always like, "Get this camera, it's right. awesome!" You know. Yeah. 
is he doing? And uh, but it took me a long time to to uh, figure that out. Sure, you know, sure. I remember like when we were on tour in the U.S. and see, like playing in Chicago, and there was a guy like in front of us the whole time with a obviously a nice camera with a wide angle lens. And, yeah holding the flash off to the side and he yeah. was jiggling the camera and I was like what the fuck is he doing you know? yeah and um so all that kind of stuff led to yeah figuring it out sure doing it and then once I got the hang of it I was like a lot of shows yeah for <laughs> sure well, I remember for a long time, you know, that uh, website, Return to the Pit. You know, like, I would see that yeah, guy yeah. at everyone. And yep. he was the first person that I had seen who was doing, you know, had that flash in one hand and was, like, moving it around. And yep. It's, yeah. It's funny because I don't know if he still does stuff, but I, about once a year, I'll start getting texts from people. They're like, I think there's a picture of you because I put on a show at the Brick House for my 30th birthday yeah. that, you know, Red, Yellow, and uh, Adam and Steve from Caven played. And uh, there's this one particular photo of Evan Kenny where he had jumped off the stage and had taken one of the stage monitors with him and was, like, feeding it back. But I'm I'm facing him, yeah. so I'm in the picture. And people are like, there's this dude who looks like you. I'm like, yeah, it's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, because they pretty much, on the anniversary of the show, just repost the pictures. Yep. So, but, yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely used to look at that guy's pictures, and he did. He took some of Scissor Fight too, and over the years, yeah, um, and learned some shit. I just look, you know, anything, any like, any clue I could find, like, sure, about how people are doing that. Well, you definitely have. I feel like de- developed your your own aesthetic with your photography because you know going through instagram and stuff i'll just you know be scrolling and even before i see the name i was like oh that looks like one of jay's photos and you know it always is so it's it's, you definitely have a recognizable that's uh, good yeah i feel like besides the technique and the edit the way i edit them is is because i'm in a band yeah you know so i have like a little bit of a sense of what looks good and sure. timing. Sure. You know? Yeah. I, at least I hope Yeah, it comes across. Like oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, and there's always like iconic images of the past that in my mind, you know? Sure. So I'm like, oh, there, you know, if I'm looking at, looking at somebody and the lighting is a certain way, it's like, oh, that looks just, that looks so, you know, so cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus, and then the other thing is being having access, you know, like a lot of, because, you know, a lot of bands, if I know somebody in a band and, and they don't mind me right, going all over the place to get wacky pictures, yeah. you know, that's how it helps. Right on, <laughs> right on. And I don't really, like, I've taken some pictures of bigger shows, mm-hmm. but it's not like, unless I have some kind of... St- backstage or on stage access right I don't really like doesn't excite me as much sure sure. it seems like there's so many generic pictures of just somebody on stage and there's all this beautiful lighting right yeah but it's just kind of boring sure I like a little a little craziness sure well and the the, you know the, the, the floor level up at the stage vantage point is that's 
it's, it's very out. commonplace. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. I t- you know, this band Super Machine. When we were in, doing that, we became uh, friends with the band Seether. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, because Sean Morgan, the singer, mm-hmm. had moved to New Hampshire. Oh really? And they were fans of Scissor Fight. Okay. And they would listen to it on the bus. It's from South Africa, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they knew his... So his girlfriend at the time was from... Amy Lee from Evanescence? No, no. Uh, uh, After after her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Much after that. Um, His girlfriend at the time lived up near Lake Winnipesaukee. Oh, okay. And uh, she found us on the internet... She found out that Jarvis and I were in this other band called Super Machine and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And that's how that connection happened. And then, okay. um, and then uh, yeah, we, yeah, we just, I don't know, there was some back and forth. And then uh, they, you know, or Sean just invited us to, open a show that they were doing up, up at um, that Grant Guilford yeah, yeah, yeah. it's called yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it was like alright right and um, and that's where we first actually met them okay and before that it was just it was just internet sure and emails and whatnot. and uh, and uh, so I you know we went up there and of course I brought like a box of miscellaneous scissor fight shirts and shit right. as a as an offering sure and uh, they were super psyched about that nice and they were all they, they were great you know john's yeah. aw- they're awesome dudes totally chill how'd the uh how'd the cedar crowd uh <laughs> it was great it nice. was you know i mean it wasn't you know it wasn't scissor fight sure oh okay hey, right right you said yeah, a super machine. different band yeah yeah and it, it was fine yeah you know? um but uh I'm sure that they were stoked that it was a new New Hampshire band opening. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so that was super fun, and then that was just a little, you know, little brief moment in time. Yeah, we, we Joanne and I went up to, along with Dave Nebbia, and you know, uh, went up to Sean's house on the lake. Yeah, you know, for barbecue one yeah. day. Yeah. It's fucking funny. Yeah, but like I said, just just uh, down to earth guys. Nice, really funny. Nice, good dudes. And then uh, you know, yeah. And then that Super Machine band ended, and that was that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily, just before the pandemic, we were able to Scissor Fight was able to play with Seether. Okay. At Portland at the State Theater in Portland. Nice, because um, somebody from there contacted us about playing, but nothing ever happened. And yeah. then, uh, and I, and then, um, Dave's new band, right, um, was playing with Seether there. Okay. But the uh, but another band that was supposed to play canceled, so yeah. they called me. Yeah, 
And I was like, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. But we already had a show booked that night in Quincy at a pizza place. Oh, damn. So, but we were opening this show at the State Theater, so we were able to do both. So you played in Portland yeah, and then booked to it Port- down to Quincy? Yeah. And uh, and it was worth it, man. The, the, the playing at the State Theater was, that was like probably the second best scissor fight show experience. Really? Yep. I mean, that's a great venue anyways. It's a great venue. Um, it was packed. Yeah. There was people there that knew Scissor Fight. Yeah. And, but there was a lot of people who were surprised. Sure. And we had like a tight 30-minute set. Yeah. All the crew and everybody there was fucking awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we were just, it, everything was in sync, you know. Yeah. And we, and we uh, went out, did our thing. Everything went really well. It played well. Doug chucked a scarecrow <laughs> into the crowd, made right. a mess. Yeah, he got tore up, and everyone. Yeah. And there was like, you know, we stopped the song, and it was like, shh. It was like, holy shit! It was awesome. You know, it was a great experience. Nice. And uh, you know, uh, and we got paid, and, and then we got out, and then we had to book it. Yeah, and we went playing the fucking pizza joint. Yeah, to like. You know, thirty people, and that place got scarecrowed too. Nice, but it was it was way messier. Right, well, it was a smaller venue. Small venue. The floor was covered in beer and dirt, <laughs> and it was a fucking mess. I think the last time I saw you guys, you did the scarecrow thing too as well. And yeah, there's yeah. straw everywhere. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So you guys have a couple shows coming up uh yep we got the stone church yep. october 14th and 15th mm-hmm. yeah so that'll be awesome and you guys are playing you guys are playing the shaskeen too Is that- i'm sorry shaskeen yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did, I said stone church by accident uh october 14th and 15th at they're, the they're both they're both at the shaskeen yes yeah, both yeah. at the shaskeen friday and saturday hear about the stone church show. yeah no, Stone Church is coming. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Are those the first post-pandemic yeah. shows? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully they'll be out of control. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and get to one of them. So yeah. and it's funny because, like, I got excited for it anyways, but I've also got a couple friends in bands in Manchester that I've been trying to get on this podcast for a while so I just, I'm like I'm going to pull double duty and be like hey I'm, I'm going to be in Manchester all day on this date Yeah. so we're going to sit down and talk in the afternoon or whatnot. so yeah and, and they usually play at the Shaskeen all the time too so it's I'm be like you got no excuse I'm right in your neighborhood yep so and I'll be remiss if we don't talk about because we're in your workshop right now um, your signs you've been yeah be doing your hand painted signs. How long? How long has that been going on? I uh, started doing that about this time last year. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, I screwed around a little bit probably in this earlier in the summer with a few things, but yeah. it really in mid August kind of took off once I figured out what I was doing a little bit yeah and, and then I had the I did some you know a lot of the seasonal like Halloween and Christmas stuff and 
did some shows and it was just successful and, yeah. and, and fun to do so yeah right on it's been a it's been a good another another piece of the pie sure you know puzzle sure. i guess you'd say to, are you now because most of the time i'm you know i'm seeing you seeing that stuff now are you still doing leather or are you kind of taking a break from that yeah probably taking a break yeah. i do i have some some jobs i gotta finish up and i feel bad about it but i just been obsessed with the sign painting sure but uh yeah i'm not really I'm not taking any new sure things at the moment maybe in the maybe after the holidays because mm-hmm. then i'll have a few months of downtime which yeah. would probably be a good time to do some leather but yeah yeah and that's that your leather stuff was pretty much always commission just commission all yeah because right? it's yeah. i would imagine that's so time involved that yeah yeah it can be yeah for sure um and i never i never like had time to make or come up with a bunch of like make a bunch of products to put in stores sure sure kind of shit inventory yeah. you know yeah um and I didn't like doing that anyway. Sure. I'd, I'd much rather do one-off custom For sure. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So. I mean, have I you still got have all this, the, the stuff to do it yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. So. Has there been any talk, uh, have you guys talked at all about um, any new music for Scissor Fight, or are you just kind of seeing how this goes, getting back into the swing of things? Uh we haven't really talked about it. I mean, there's all there, there's, there always is. I probably have three, three or four albums worth of riffs sure. on my phone, yeah. <laughs> you know, just waiting yeah. for whatever. Yeah. Um, but, and we also have actually some leftover tracks from Dumas sessions right. that need, that can get vocals. Yeah. So we could release some stuff. Right on. You know, if, uh, if we get some vocals going, right. you know. Right on. And then, yeah, after that, who knows? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for talking, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is fun. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's the future, baby. That's what they say. <laughs> I, I feel like it's funny because... You know, I started I started doing this podcast about about five years ago. Um, I had been doing another one for a year before that, and uh, I feel like in the pandemic, everyone and their brother, you know, because everyone's at home, yeah, with time on their hands. I feel like everyone started a podcast. Certainly, every stand up comedian because they weren't they couldn't work at the time, and you know, half yeah. the people in bands started podcasts. So now. It doesn't seem as weird when I tell people that I have a podcast. Where before, you know, people are like, "Wait, you do a podcast?" And now people are like, "Yeah, of course you do. Everyone yeah. does." So, yeah, yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks cool. for talking, man. Yeah.